Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Osgren Unel, Executive Director and Head of EFX Distribution UK at the very well-known investment bank, UBS. As an EFX business leader with 20 plus years experience in her field in client acquisition and relationship management, Osman brings a wealth of experience to this podcast. She is passionate about advancing junior female and diverse talent career progression in investment banking and active in the DEI advocate for UBS on recruiting diverse junior talent. So she is here today to share her story and a lot of lessons along the way. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Nadia, for having me. It's great to be here. So tell us, just to start things off, tell us about your current role and what that actually entails. Sure. I run electronic FX sales for UK in global markets within the investment bank. As a team, we deliver a best-in-class electronic trading experience to our diverse institutional client base across multiple FX products over various execution channels. And we optimize this flow using our in-house data analytics tools in order to maximize the volumes traded and the PL generated from the flow. Our main goal is to be the go-to EFX bank for our clients. Who are our clients? They consist of financial institutions such as banks, hedge funds, asset managers and corporates. They all have differing needs for their foreign exchange execution. Uh, that's why specialists like myself and my team have these strategic and technical conversations on how to best face our clients, whether it's via our FX trading platform, Neo, a multi-dealer venue that they're connected to, or via a fixed connectivity where any user interface and human intervention is removed and all execution is automated. Wow, so that's quite a lot that you've just run through there, you know, such clarity and, and really clearly, but actually, if we just take all of that in, there's so much there to, to pull apart. So give us some insight into your career and what's got you to where you are today. Oh, yes, my, my career is an interesting one, actually, because when I first started my career, I didn't know what foreign exchange was and I fell into it by, by chance. So I'm originally from Turkey. I was born in Istanbul and raised in Turkey as well. I studied economics in Istanbul University. All my education was in Turkey. And I come from a, a middle class family. My father worked for the government. We traveled across Turkey when I was growing up. And when I graduated from university, I was just looking for a job in a bank or something economics related to my degree. But I really didn't have 
any idea what I wanted to do. And various, obviously, you know, uh, graduate job applications, etc. I actually ended up finding a job in Dublin, in Ireland, not in Turkey. <laughs> Again, coincidence. And that happened to be an FX brokerage company. I didn't know that at the time when I actually accepted the position. I moved to Dublin, Ireland with three suitcases in my hand, not knowing anybody there. And I started working in this FX brokerage company. And I worked there for three years. I learned quite a lot because it was a small company. So it gave me the, the right environment, I guess, as a, as a person who has never worked in the industry, a good core knowledge and a good core you know base to build upon and after I worked there for three years I actually wanted to change I actually moved to a bigger company and one of my clients based in the UK uh, one day just called me up and said look I think you're really good we want to hire you would you come and work in London for us and I, I obviously said yes to that so to cut a long story short that's how I moved from from my first job to the next one and I moved to London and from then on I think build upon on my FX brokerage starting point, and I moved into EFX, the electronic FX, because I thought that that was the future. You know, back then, this is 20 years ago we're talking about, right? This is a long time ago. And my career went in a way that supported my thinking. So I moved to an EFX sales role. I worked at Saxo Bank, which is a Danish electronic effects bank. Then I moved to State Street Bank, who owned an electronic trading platform called Caronex. So it's kind of like, you know, piece by piece, I worked at a client, then I worked for a technology vendor. And then about 12 years ago, I actually got to my current employer, UBS, and I started as an EFX salesperson at UBS. And obviously, it's been a long time now since I'm here. i covering multiple regions and client segments over the years. I got promoted twice within UBS. And two years ago, I actually asked to lead the team. And since then, I've been focusing on building the team out in the UK and involved in more strategic initiatives to grow our business further. And I guess in a nutshell, that's my career. Well, this is such a great story. And I'm so glad that you shared it with us because like, no wonder you are so passionate about this space and talking about people's careers in this space, because look at what you did. You took three bags and went over to Dublin with you know, not knowing what FX was, no experience and look where you are today. And I love this story because so many people come on these podcasts and say, oh, my career advice is give it a go, grab the opportunity. But what does that actually mean? And I think that you've really showed us a story of how you really did grab the opportunity and you really have given it a go. But also you've had a goal that's taken time to get to, but you've mm -hmm. really learned along the way. So, you know, that first job, I'm super excited to hear you share that, that, you know, it was a brokerage in a, in a place you'd never been to before, but wow, you learned so much and look where you are today. So that's super exciting. Now, it kind of takes me on really nicely to our, our next question, which is around you being such a big advocate for the investment banking space. So I know that you think that people from all sorts of backgrounds should be considering investment banking as a career so tell us why absolutely as i mentioned above i mean i have been fortunate enough to actually build a career in investment banking coming from a different background i established a wide network both internally and externally and i've heard many students junior talent and friends outside of the investment banking that they think that investment banking only caters for a trading or corporate deals roles and 
for candidates with privileged backgrounds as well. I think that's a, that's a myth and that couldn't be further than the truth. UBS, for example, which obviously I know really well, has a vast variety of roles available in investment banking from compliance to legal to operations to data scientists, quant developers to business managers. We also look to hire candidates with different backgrounds, academic degrees, experience, in order to foster an environment with diverse thinking and idea generation, and an organization that is encouraged to challenge the status quo in order to improve ourselves and continue to be relevant to our clients. As a woman of diverse background, succeeding in this inclusive environment, I feel it is also my, my responsibility to increase that awareness and showcase that investment banking as a great career opportunity to young talent who would otherwise not consider it. Yeah, and I love everything that you said there again. And we've got to make sure that people hear this message and hear this message from you because we know at the moment this is a big perception problem that people have of financial services, let alone the investment bank. So we've got to really work hard to ensure that lots of people listen to this podcast and hear, <laughs> hear all these wonderful messages that you're sharing. I know it's not only about attracting talent to the space, but it's about keeping that talent. So it's really good for us to be reminded of what your people policy is because we know that it's people their unique backgrounds that drive ongoing success so with that in mind I wanted you just to tell us about how UBS invests into its people absolutely I think we're talking about retention here right it's just attracting talent is great but how do you actually keep that talent and grow that talent retention I think is one of the key success metrics for an organization and it's also one that many financial services firms find challenging especially when it comes to retaining young talent who are at the beginning of their career journey or those who have worked for a long time as specialists in their field but struggle to progress to the next level. So understanding the needs of your people and supporting them in progressing their careers is an important and delicate task for every organization, in my opinion. I'm proud to be working at UBS because it's an organization that acknowledges the needs of its employees. Our retention strategy is focused on improving our line manager capability, career development in a culture where everyone can thrive, and enhancing our policies and practices to support our people, whatever background or stage in life they're at. And I want to give some examples because we implement this. It's just not about just talking about it but actually it's implementing it in, a, in an active way as well and some of the initiatives that we run at UBS are obviously we do have a graduate program which you know starts with training our newcomers new talent core you know financial training that the first month they, they, they come in but there is also on-the-job training uh, as well and throughout their 18-month-long program, they get to work on different desks and parts of the business via rotation so that they, they can get a full overview of the wider business and the bigger picture of the organization as well. We expose them to senior management via sessions that are tailored just for graduates and a dedicated HR team following their learning and performance to make sure that they're all on track and support them if required. Similar to that, we actually run an apprenticeship program as well. So again, I think apprenticeship programs are coming back to financial services. And I do have an apprentice on my team because, again, there is this belief that apprenticeship is very much around operations, back office. I mean, it's not the case right? We hire apprentices who might not necessarily want to further their education, you know, academically, 
uh, or going to university, but still would like to work in the financial sector. And I think they deserve a chance. For example, in our apprenticeship program, they work on the desk, but they also spend 20% of their time studying because they complete a financial services qualification equivalent program. They also get an external coach to support them throughout the program. We then offer them further education if they would like. If they don't want to study further, they can just become a permanent employee within UBS, but they can continue with the program. And for example, we offer a university degree from Exeter University. We offer CFA qualifications. So it's not just hiring an apprentice, but also growing them and upskilling them to become a qualified employee in the future. These are the kind of initiatives we offer when employees just starting their career. But then what about those employees who are experienced but would like to upskill themselves? We have something called UBS Scholar. This is a program where every year a selection of different educational programs get added to the list of programs and is offered to permanent employees. Um, This could range again from CFA to coding courses to leadership and management diplomas. For example, I myself did a a diploma about 18 months ago, did a leadership program where, you know, as part of the program, I received a personal coach to guide me through the process, which again, I found really helpful. She helped guide me in my own career progression. In the end, I also became a chartered manager officially. So it's not about just upskilling yourself within the company, but also getting yourself additional education to grow yourself, I guess. And it really helped me. Then we have other initiatives like, actually, we have an award-winning program called a Career Comeback Program. Again, we're supporting here the experienced professionals who have been on a career break for maybe two or more years and would like to restart their careers again. And although these programs are viewed in the market as mainly for women who took time off with maternity leave and looked after their kids and want to return to work, I actually want to highlight that there is no gender division within the UBS program. There are different reasons why someone might want to take a career break, whether it's to look after elderly parents or relatives or due to an illness, for example. And we actually would like everyone with a career break to apply for a role because you never know what skill might fit the role requirement, right? Uh, I mean, look, I could go on and on (laughs) because we have many more initiatives, but uh, I don't think we will have time. Just, I guess, a final comment on this topic would be, uh, apart from all these targeted initiatives, internal mobility options are also always open to existing employees. And we support our people on an ongoing basis at the desk level, implemented by their team leads, line managers, supporting them by providing tasks and projects that create learning and growth opportunities as well. Well, it's fantastic to hear how many people you're including in each of these initiatives. Like, it feels like someone sat down and gone, right, let's actually listen to all the different facets that people in their lives could be facing right now. You know, there are many different reasons why people take breaks. There are many different reasons why people decide not to go to university and it shouldn't stop them from being able to join the investment banking industry. And it's brilliant to hear how much UBS does for people. And I've learned a lot. Like I, I now know there'll be people that reach out to me that I'll say, well, I think you should probably have a talk with us. <laughs> now there's one in particular I want to delve into a bit more detail because I know that you started up your own women's network when you returned from mat leave and you've spoken about how within that it's about solving challenges collectively so I'd love to hear more about Mm. that. 
Absolutely. Yes. So I'm quite passionate about advancing the careers of female employees within financial sector and investment banking. I think it's clear now. (laughs) And sometimes actions need to be taken in addition to talking about e-share or increasing awareness. The Women's Network was something that I felt quite strongly about and managed to bring to life with the involvement of many of our female employees within the business and in conjunction with our then DNI committee as well. It all started with actually with a lunch amongst four female employees, one of them being me, who coincidentally returned back from their respective maternity leaves at the same time in the same division. We all wanted to catch up, share our experience and discuss if we were finding similar things differently difficult or easy. And what came to light was that all four of us had a different maternity leave experience, even though we worked in the same division and were bound by the same maternity leave privileges. I mean, of course, maternity leave is very subjective and every woman feels differently about it. But what became apparent was that our knowledge and interpretation of what we could do and the support available to us after we got back from maternity leave were varied extensively. We had a lot of information available online and from our HR, but we actually lacked understanding of those practical little things, like that medical room available to mothers who were expressing milk or the free emergency childcare that the bank provides to all employees. This prompted us to do a survey amongst the female population in our division, and we asked them if they would benefit from a women's network, where we talked to each other more, what topics we could delve into more or would be interesting to them. And under the guidance of our then, as I said, DNI committee, we actually did a survey amongst the population. And the results were astounding. Uh, Everyone said, yes, let's form a network. And maternity and career progression slash promotion came back as the top topics that we should communicate more about. And on the back of the responses, we actually set up a maternity body program. We paired all expecting mothers with mothers who had been through the maternity experience at UBS previously to provide emotional and practical support and a shoulder to lean on, I think, which, which is what every mother every new mother needs uh, when they come back to work. We advertised our program within our equities division, for example, and found that they actually looked at maternity from a different angle. They created a, like a cheat sheet for like the practical things that people should tick off a list when they were going on maternity leave or during and after they come back. So we collaborated quite a lot with different divisions and this maternity body program actually extended in the end and it's a bigger program now. But we looked at other things, like like I said, we did a promotion and career progression series where we put all the parties involved in a promotion process from HR, from line managers to a recent promotee and and senior management who actually make those decisions. And we talk very openly about how the promotion process work, what career progress options are available to employees. And we did, for example, random pairings of senior with junior females across the division so that we actually got to know each other better and we communicated more and we worked together more as a result as well. So it's not just about actually, you know, talking about non-work related female issues or, you know, progress that we want to make. It actually created a lot of business opportunities across different desks because if you know the people who are doing something that you might benefit from, then you start asking questions and you start collaborating on the business side as well. So that that really worked out. And we actually merged 
and became global markets a couple of years later. And we moved the program into our global markets DE&I committee. And it's now, it's part of a bigger program and it's, it's actually now advertised even wider. So it's actually turned to be a, a bigger program than ever. So I'm, I'm quite proud of it actually. Yeah, and you definitely should be. I absolutely love the way that it started off as the four of you talking to one another. And, and, and yeah, I relate to it so much, just knowing how different everybody's experience is, but just how much support that would be being able to talk to your, your buddy and your, your maternity mentor, just someone mm-hmm. that's, that's worked and gone through it. Because I think and there's many of us, and I'm sure many listening to this that will relate to what I'm about to say, but perhaps your friendship circles don't understand exactly what the challenges are at coming to coming back to work whereas having a mentor or a buddy program of a woman that's returned back to your exact work that makes such a huge difference and that that's something that i'm definitely going to take away and have a think about how that can be replicated across the industry because that is so unique i've spoken to so many companies and that is a brilliant brilliant initiative i absolutely love it and it takes me quite nicely to my last question which is your call to action. So I love asking this question to everybody right at the end. And it's your call to action with regards to what more we should all be doing for genuine, authentic workplace inclusion. Yes, thanks for that question. I think inclusion is, again, key phrase that we definitely need to work on as an industry, right? An inclusive work environment is where someone feels that they're accepted for who they are and that their contributions are valued as with the rest of the population and that they're heard and are included in conversations. I think some things that we all can do to promote inclusivity in the workplace are, first of all, recognizing our biases. I think we're human. I think we all have unconscious bias, but we need to be aware of them and we need to understand what they are and then we need to actually work on them. We need to always look at the bigger picture and utilize the wider team, you know, invest in everyone. I hope that people will find this familiar when I say that we always pick the same person to go to in different teams when we need to do something, when we need to do a task. And we find that person and that person becomes our go-to. For example, I recognized that a couple of years ago, I was doing myself, always going to the same person within a team and not giving any other team members a chance to maybe look at the query or look at the task. And maybe it will help them to expand their knowledge. Maybe it will actually help them to increase their network within within the organization. So once I recognized that I have that bias, I actually started talking to other members of the different themes that I work with. This way, I actually increase my network as well. So it works both ways. So I think that's just a a simple example of how we can actually use wider resources, wider teams that are available to us. And be mindful in your communications. What might come across to me as very simple and direct might come across differently to someone else with a different background, different ethnicity. So we have to be mindful of other people. And I always say that we need to promote accessibility, right? And I think this comes from the top. And again, we're an organization where all strategy gets decided at the top, but then it needs to trickle down so that teams are aware what our 
overall strategy is and then work towards it and feel part of the organization. I mean, that's also how you motivate people, right? Because they feel part of the organization. They work towards the same strategy. And I think senior management and line managers have a, a very important role to play in that. And finally, I think be, being open-minded, right? There is no right and wrong sometimes. It's just, it's just different. I wanted to come to that, actually. It's being different. So, for example, I personally never felt different when I started my career. I never saw myself as anything less than who I was. Unconsciously, I guess, that gave me a little bit of confidence as well when I was building my career because I didn't see myself different. But now, over the years, I'm realizing that I was. <laughs> also self-realization, that our industry is full of diverse, different people. I think we have to promote this and we also celebrate our differences. So our DNI motto, for example, is let our differences make a difference. And I think that's a quite powerful phrase. And for example, at UBS, to promote our differences, we have a number of employee-led networks. And that actually fosters a culture of inclusion and also create awareness. I, I wanted to name a few of those because I think that these are quite important and that makes up the, that makes up the organization. Uh, we have something called Mosaic. This network focuses on culture, race and ethnicity, and it aims to promote the recruitment, retention and advancement of our Black Asian and minority ethnic population at UBS. Pride, focusing on creating and sustaining an LGBTQ friendly environment where people are comfortable being open and honest about their individuality. Family Matters aims to make resources available to employees to improve the well-being of the employees and the well-being of their families. And All Bar None is our gender equality network that aims to promote the recruitment, retention and advancement of women at UBS to help achieve gender parity. So all these are examples of how we kind of tackle the inclusion element of our DE&I. And I think we need to do more for sure. But we need to create that awareness and we actually not just talk the talk, but we also need to walk the talk. And that's uh, where people like myself and many other UBS employees spend quite a lot of, a lot of time in DE&I initiatives. And I guess I'll, uh, I'll stop there because I can talk more, but in a nutshell, that's how I view inclusion. Thank oh, you. Oh, we could go on and on, couldn't we? This has been such a fantastic podcast and there are so many key takeaways. I, I just don't know how we're going to be able to do any promotion around this without doing so many different pieces of promotion because you have shared so much insight into yourself, your career, the initiatives and takeaway pieces that we can all get involved in. The one really stand out for me that is very easy for everyone who's listening to this to go and make happen is the next time you want to speak to somebody outside of your team and, and that go-to person that you go to, stop yourself and go to somebody else. Like I will do that today. That is an excellent bit of advice because you're so right. It will build our networks, but also it's challenging our own bias on our perception of what other people are capable of. Because ultimately we're deciding that someone isn't as capable as somebody else, which may not be the case at all. So I think that's a great bit of advice, but the whole podcast was so brilliant. Thank you for being so honest and sharing so much of yourself and so much of what you are driving at UBS. It's been an absolute honor learning about it all. Thank you for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Many thanks, Nadia. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs>